I do not permit women to teach nor usurp authority. That's Kira, and she skied on a black diamond. I did, and that's Alexandria. <laughs> and we're very proud of her because she now knows all the lyrics to WAP. Making use out of those long car rides to see my parents. Oh, that's so important. Hey, guys, and welcome back. We're so glad to be with you again. I don't know how you say it in podcast terms, but we're back. Happy New Year. So welcome to another episode of Overreaction, where we share our knowledge and react to different topics every week. Today, we're going to talk about human trafficking. Keeping it nice and light. Nice and light for the New Year. Turn from our hiatus, <laughs> our COVID-related exposure hiatus. We're all we healthy and fine. We're keeping with the trend of heavy stuff in your podcast <laughs> feed. Someone's got to talk about it. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start off with a trigger warning, just like we did for some of the other happier topics we've discussed. We are going to tell stories. Um, we are going to discuss things in detail, um, obviously maintaining confidentiality of any clients that we talk about. Any um, person. Yes. Because um, that's super important, but we are going to talk about that kind of stuff. So heads up. Um, if you or anyone you know, um, after listening to this, thinks they could identify as a survivor of human trafficking, the national hotline is 888-373-7888. Um, the people who answer this hotline. um Sorry. The no, people okay. who answer this hotline are not going to make any decisions for you. They're not going to contact law enforcement on your behalf. Um, everything is. Unless you give them consent to. Right. Um, they can do all those things, but really mostly they're going to safety plan with you. Um, and they're not going to do anything that you don't want. They can also provide support and help if you're worried about somebody that you love. Um, you don't have to be the survivor to be the person to call. You can be a support person and just kind of get some advice about how to support your loved one. Yes. Um, and it is staffed 24-7, so you can call anytime. Mm -hmm. um, there also is a text option. That number is 233733. Uh, the numbers spell out be free. B-E-F-R-E-E. -E. Uh, so human trafficking. What is it? Um, the definition that I'm using is from the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime website. Um, but it's the same website that most reputable sources. It's the same definition that most reputable sources use. Um, so there's three elements in uh, human trafficking. The first is the act, and that's what is done. So things like recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, or receipt of persons. The second element is the means. Um, so that's how those things are done. Um, and it's things like threat or use of force, coercion, abduction, fraud, deception, abuse of power, or vulnerability, or giving payments or benefits to a person in control of the victim. And those words, force, fraud, and coercion are going to kind of come up mm -hmm. over and over and over again. It's in most of the codes that define human trafficking and allow human trafficking to be prosecuted as a crime. So just for the sake of clarity, that definition mm -hmm. is talking about the actions that a trafficker would be taking, not a survivor. Correct. Yeah. I feel like that's a given, but yeah. just. <laughs> um, and then the third element is the purpose. And that's why it's done. And it's done for the purpose of exploitation, which includes exploiting the prostitution of others, sexual exploitation, forced labor, labor, slavery, or similar practices, and also the removal of organs. Ugh. Yeah, which wasn't something I had thought about. I had like you. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome for just throwing ah. that at you. Why? You um, just snuck it right in there. <laughs> I sure did. Um, very gross, but it apparently happens and is very underreported. Um, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay. the okay. The, okay. the most common one that most people know about is sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. um, there's like fun movies made about it. Not fun. No, they are fun. Choice of words. Taken, Taken is a fun movie. Don't watch it on a plane ride to Europe. Don't know why I did that. That was an interesting choice, but we all make those. I, whatever. I don't know. It's 
You're here. You're safe. Yeah. Um, and Rome was fun. So it's fine. Um, I think that with that quick side note from the movies, but I think that that definition encompasses a really broad range of actions that can be taken. And so though we can think of like taken as a movie about it, that's not necessarily what it looks like. Like it doesn't have to involve planes and forceful kidnapping and anything really even all that dramatic. Like it's taking advantage of a vulnerability that a person has and using that as a means to control their actions and exploit them. And that can be maybe something that falls a little bit underneath the radar, but we're going to get into that too. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So then who does it impact? Uh, So these numbers came from the Polaris project. They're excellent. Check them out. Polaris project is like, does a really good job of, um, research on human trafficking. I, they're the people who run the hotline. Mm-hmm. They're so, so good. Um, so really quick about this data before I read it to you. Um, it's only what they learn in the course of providing support. Um, so when people call the hotline, they're not ever asked questions for the purpose of collecting data. So if they don't find something out, they don't find something mm-hmm. out. Um, They aren't going to run through and be like, by the way, just tell us all these things for the sake of statistics. It's about safety planning. So this is not this data is not all encompassing of the calls, even the calls that they get. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely not all encompassing um, of trafficking in general. It's just the statistics that we have access to. Mm -hmm. Um, So in. 2019, um, I think it looks like these numbers were pulled in December of 2019. Um. 22,326 victims and survivors were identified. Um, 11,500 trafficking situations were identified. So a lot of times um, a trafficker is going to have more than one um, victim. Like they're going to be trafficking multiple people. Mm -hmm. Um, There were 4,384 traffickers identified. And 1,912 suspicious businesses identified. Um, The average age at the time that um, the person's trafficking began for sex trafficking, it was 17. For labor trafficking, it was 22. I think some real quick on that one. What stood Mm -hmm. out to me with that is taking you back to like mean and median (laughs) and mode from elementary school. Like the average age is 17. But it seems like the most were taken into trafficking between like 15 and 17. So I kind of forget how my elementary math works, but like it averages out so that it's 17, probably because mm-hmm. you're 48, the five of the 48 plus have a stronger pull, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but thir- I think 13 to 17 is where most people get pulled, but it makes the average of being pulled into sex trafficking age 17. Yeah. And these numbers were. Are only four percent of the data set that they have access to because mm-hmm. it's just not something that they typically find out about the people who are calling. Yeah. Um, but I was horrified that the number of survivors age zero to eight was eighty-two. Oh, I did not see that on this piece of paper. Wow. Yeah, that made me a little nauseous. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. and like- that's just four percent. What kind of trafficking is that? Like, like that's, that's sex, sex. trafficking. Um, we have it too. Yeah. So, not great. Not great. Um, it doesn't. A lot of numbers skew towards um, most survivors being female. Um, this data set says that fifteen thousand two hundred twenty-two of the survivors were female. Three thousand and three were male, 135 were gender minorities, and 3,966, the gender of the caller was unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's skewed very much towards women, um, but women aren't the only survivors of trafficking. And because sex trafficking is, we know so much more about it and we have better statistics on it. Um women do tend to be the majority of survivors in sex trafficking, but in labor trafficking, it tends to go the opposite way. Yep. Um, I also read on 
the UN's website that um, a lot of perpetrators of sex trafficking are also women, hmm. um, which I don't think I knew. I didn't either. But it, a lot of times, like, you go from victim to perpetrator as a way to, like, get out of the life. Yeah. Um, so I don't – they were being identified as the perpetrator. I don't know that I would identify them as the perpetrator because I think if they're being used, mm-hmm. they're being exploited to then exploit other people. Yeah. You're just kind of, like, the middle victim. I mean – Oh. Okay. Fair. But we know that with the story of, like, Jeffrey Epstein and when he was trafficking young girls to his rich friends, um, he would get a lot of the girls to like bring along their friends. And like, I don't, I don't consider that perpetrating. Like you're right. They're, they were exploited for the sense of continuing the trafficking operation that Jeffrey Epstein was running. Like Mm -hmm. they're victims in that sense too. Yeah, so you get groomed and then you see a way Absolutely. out and you take it. Or even if it's not a way out, you don't see a way out and then that's what you're what you're doing. Like, yeah. You're stuck in it. So, I mean, that's what that's what it said on the UN's website. I didn't mm-hmm. look into it a ton cuz I also think we just don't know a lot about the yeah. perpetrators of um or we can reframe not but, as perpetrators but as people exploited to bring people in. Yeah. Um I also really quick want to talk about like the scale of what human trafficking looks like. Cause I feel like people view it as like a couple ringleaders and then a whole bunch of victims, which like mm-hmm. the, the numbers do support that type of view. Um, but like we had a client recently who we identified the situation as domestic violence appropriately given the information that we had. Um, but it came up during um, her bench trial that, um, she was being told if she wanted to stay in the home that they shared, she was going to have to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. Like that's trafficking. She was vulnerable on the brink of homelessness, and that vulnerability was exploited by the person who had power over her. So mm-hmm. it it's, can it's an exchange for something of value. So that can be housing. It doesn't have to be money. It, it can, can be food. It can be food. Um, anything of value. And like sometimes it's a ride out. somewhere. Yep. Sometimes it even starts out as not something that's an exchange of value, but like an exchange of affection mm-hmm. or attention. Like if your vulnerability is insecurity in your relationships, they can start by exploiting that. And then it's very, much easier to move on to exchanging for things of value in a coercive way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so how are people being recruited? Tell me, Alexandria. I am going to tell you. Well, I'm going to tell you from this Polaris um, a closer look that I know you also read. So, or you didn't read it. Maybe you took a nap. I didn't read that one. That's Maybe so I did. good. I don't know. Tell me again. Okay. <laughs> the top five recruitment tactics for sex trafficking. Um, it's intimate partner or marriage propositions to someone posing as um, a boyfriend, um, a, fami- a family member. Um, sometimes people's parents traffic them. Mm-hmm. Um, a job offer or advertisement. Um, I, I feel like a job advertisement as a model would be a good example for this. Like Mm -hmm. you think that that's what you're going for Mm -hmm. and then it's not that. So I have like third hand knowledge of another podcast that I listened to that the entire time I was like trafficking, (laughs) yelling at the podcast person Mm -hmm. because I'm going to get 90% of these facts wrong. (laughs) Okay. But I'm going to use it as anecdotal evidence. Excellent. But like teenager was like, hey, mom, like, can I go to Florida with my friends for spring break? And then her mom was like, no. And she was like, cool. And then she ran away to go to, I don't know, Myrtle Beach or something instead. Um, Same. Yeah. With like with friends. And then um, just like was never seen again. And they were like, probably like. She was trying to be a model. She really wanted to be a model. Like it didn't go 
on vacation, wherever she went for the purposes of becoming a model. But they think like somebody who had graduated from high school a couple of years before her, um, like met up with her there. That's the last person that they know, like saw her and then just never saw her again. But they were like, if somebody like offered her a modeling gig, she'd do it. Like that's what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody came up to me and was like, you do you want to be like our legal clerk? I know I'm not qualified for that yet, but I'd be like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when that's, it's an easy vulnerability to exploit, especially when that's something that you want to do. But it was Crime Junkie, some episode way back from 2019. So. <laughs> um, posing as a benefactor or just general false promises and fraud. And then the top five for labor trafficking are job offer or advertisement, um, false promises and fraud, smuggling related, familial, or posing as a benefactor. Mm -hmm. Um, There was something that I read related to the smuggling one where it's mm -hmm. often really hard to identify labor trafficking for like a couple of reasons, Um, partially because there's a lot more attention on sex trafficking um, rather than labor trafficking, but it's often kind of like in a mind your own business sort of way, trafficking victims of labor trafficking can be mistaken for um, just like smuggled immigrants. And therefore nobody wants to get involved, like thinking that like hands off is a better approach, but mm-hmm. it, it's complicated because who knows what's going on. <laughs> um, I did read, I should have printed it, but I did read a diff- um a good breakdown of the difference between smuggling and labor trafficking mm-hmm. on the UN's website. Um, but I read one on labor trafficking about the way that that process happens. And uh, that in, so they did a study on a whole bunch of labor trafficking cases And first, there's the bait where someone hears about, um, say, a job opportunity from someone they know. And this is in cases where, like, someone where someone is trafficked from one country to the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, They're made the promise of this great opportunity for better life in the United States. And in 93% of these cases, the recruiter misrepresents some key element of the job, whether that's the nature of the job, the hours, the benefits. Things like health insurance, tuition, vacation, the perks, um, like free housing or legal permanent residence in the United States, um, that usually the wages that are promised aren't outlandishly high um, relative to the federal minimum wage, but that they promise a lot of benefits and perks. Mm-hmm. And then the next stage is the switch. Like they, They'll pressure the victim to really quickly sign contracts that they don't understand and then they have to pay a really high recruitment fee. And the average fee for all of these cases was $6,150, which was more than the annual per capita income in many of the countries the victims came from. Mm-hmm. In some cases, the fees ran as high as $25,000. Wow. So to afford that... Jeez. Right. So to afford that fee, they like sell property or they take out a really high interest loan. They mortgage their land. Come to the United States, usually legally, because they'll get a visa connected yep. to the job that they're promised. But then they have to stay at that job in order to maintain their visa status. Yep. So once they're there, they're subject to mental, physical, or financial abuse. Um, also, sometimes sexual abuse at the hands of their employer or the subcontractor. Mm-hmm. Um, among the most common abuses reported, things like being paid less than they were promised or having pay withheld, being threatened with violence or otherwise demoralized, being forced to work more hours than advertised, uh, having their movements to and from work controlled if they aren't forced to live at the work site, living in horrible, horrible working um, working conditions and living conditions. Mm-hmm. Like the if they're provided housing, it's not good housing. It's not mm-hmm. livable housing. Um, and then they take a lot of the employer will take a lot of fees out of the workers' paychecks. So there'll be t- money taken out for taxes, but then also for supplies, housing, food, utilities, transportation, health insurance that's never actually provided, plus state paperwork or immigration status fees, which aren't a real thing. Um, 
And then after all the deductions, there's never enough money left over for the trafficked workers to pay down their debt. Mm -hmm. And then since their visa is tied to their job, they have to stay at the job. So that's how labor trafficking happens a lot of the time. I think that nestled in there was a really important point, too. Um, If you were like, they might be tracked going home. Like a lot of Mm -hmm. survivors of trafficking, you kind of imagine that it's like chains and they're locked somewhere. Like they might have families and their own apartment and places to stay and like a life and might go to the same bars or restaurants that you do but um there are parts of their lives that are controlled but that doesn't mean that they don't exist yeah <laughs> it doesn't is that you can see it doesn't look like the the posters that got really really popular with like i think we've talked about these before but like the women with the the bruises and they're tied up and like that's not that's not what it usually actually looks like. Mm-hmm. As sort of a side note to that, um, one of our coworkers would, who works with survivors of trafficking would talk about like when she's thinking about promotional things for Human Trafficking Awareness Month, which is January or February. January. It's January. <laughs> That's why we're talking what month about is it, it now. <laughs> um but would talk about awareness posters or things like that and thinking about what images to put on it. She was like, would this bring my survivor's honor? Like, is it going to respect their story or are they going to feel ashamed by looking at it? She's like, I want all of the photos and the posters and the promotions that I put up to recognize like my survivor's strengths and bring them honor. And I think that's important. Yeah. I agree. It's 2021. It doesn't matter what month it is. Just that's <laughs> just want to add that all there. months are equal, so interchangeable. <laughs> Summer months are not the same as the winter months. It's cold. It's very cold. <laughs> it is. Um, hate it. I hate it too. Okay, the top five forms of force fraud and coercion so we've we're going to kind of talk about why people stay in trafficking situations so there's the obvious one that we talked about just with labor trafficking um their visas Mm -hmm. are tied to their job um they have pay withheld so they don't have money to go somewhere else um they're working excessive hours so they don't have time um moving and finding a new job is sometimes a full-time job in itself honestly yeah no shit um being threatened to report to immigration um verbal abuse withholding or denying needs um and if someone comes here from another country and they don't speak english then they don't have a great under and they're not not usually going to have a great understanding of american culture and what the role of law enforcement is and sometimes mm-hmm. they're coming from Countries where law enforcement is not a safe resource. Sometimes here, law enforcement is not a safe resource. A lot of times here, <laughs> law enforcement is not a safe resource. Um, so there's not really anywhere for them to go. They wouldn't. They don't know how. Um, so they kind of end up just stuck. The enemy that you know can be better than the enemy that you don't. Yeah. Um, I think it's the devil. Listen, I'm making it's 2021. I'm making my own quotes. I'm sorry. The purpose (laughs) of language is to communicate ideas. And I think that she clearly communicated her idea. Well done. The puppy that you have is (laughs) the same as all the puppies. You (laughs) can't insert words. Kira. What's wrong? What's wrong? Ah. Is that is that like if you put a monkey at a typewriter, it'll eventually type out Shakespeare? <laughs> you can't just do that. Okay, for sex trafficking, top five forms of force, fraud, and coercion are inducing and exploiting substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so either getting someone addicted to a drug or exploiting the addiction they already have. Mm-hmm. Um, Kira and I recently, because of a client, learned about all of the ways that someone can sneak meth into your system. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. 
Um, horrifying. Gatorade is apparently a very effective way to put Don't metal in someone's that. body. I'm. We can cut it if you want to. Oh, yeah, I'm in charge of that. Um. I was told once that everywhere there's tractors, there's meth. Yep. And I have yet to and be hydrous. proven wrong. Yeah. Um, physical abuse. Um, at, like I've known survivors of trafficking with yeah. like straight broken broken bones, mm-hmm. and their traffickers are real creative about showing up places. Like they're just also stalking their victims. Um, so there's not really a chance to get out mm-hmm. but also with physical abuse like the and sex trafficking like the product that they're trying to sell is a body mm-hmm. so they're also very careful about injuries and what that means for their yeah. profit as a trafficker which is um sexual abuse is another way that um mm-hmm. as if it isn't all sexual abuse. <laughs> yeah additional uh, sexual abuse mm-hmm. sprinkled on the top yep the <laughs> traffickers will usually also sexually abuse the people that they are trafficking um intimidation displaying um weapons threatening with weapons also threatening family members I'll, i feel like i've read a lot of stories about survivors of sex trafficking who end up pregnant mm-hmm. um, because they're not put on birth control and oh. it's not safe sex that they're having in a lot of ways. It's not safe sex. So they end up pregnant. They have their baby threatened. Um, their family could be threatened. And then emotional abuse, um, specifically intimacy related. I think that this sticks out because it like, in the Venn diagram of human trafficking and domestic violence, like a lot mm-hmm. of things overlap. A lot of these same reasons why survivors of sex trafficking remain in a situation where they're being trafficked are for similar reasons why survivors would stay in um, relationships of domestic violence. And even like for us working as advocates, it can be very easy to identify or yeah, very easy to identify something as domestic violence that when you uncover a little more, you trafficking is revealed. But like a lot of survivors won't identify as survivors of trafficking. Like they might identify as a survivor of sexual assault or a survivor of domestic violence. Um, but like the facts of their story, if you tease them out, you'll realize that it's trafficking. But we also don't label other people's stories for them. Um, but a lot of the tactics are very similar and can sometimes be confusing and then also traffickers might be intimate partners so it is a really overlapping venn diagram of those things top five risk factors and vulnerabilities for trafficking victimization so things that people are usually already dealing with before they're trafficked that can make them more vulnerable to it um for sex trafficking substance use um runaway or homeless youth Um, which is why the average age of entrance into sex trafficking is 17, um, which means a lot of them are teenage years. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the statistic of how many runaways were approached within 48 hours? No, but it's very high. I think it's three out of four. I wanted to say 70 to 80%, so that feels feels right. Right. Uh, A PowerPoint that I do for work. It comes from somewhere credible, I swear. My reliable memory. <laughs> I've done this presentation approximately 10 times. <laughs> I was just wondering. I just wanted to... From experts in the field. Don't question we're not, me. We're not experts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not labeling the myself that way. The that you know is more credible than the expert <laughs> that you don't. That's Fair the enough. same. I, I was just okay, so when a personal relationship starts to impact someone's credibility, that's bad. We don't like that. I'm making up a quote. I know, but that one, that one was bad. Don't write that one down. I haven't written any of them down. Um, this be recorded. Down. Listeners, write <laughs> everything that I say down. She is not your boss. I'm, I'm trying to help her. Okay, you're doing, so you're doing great. recent migration and location this. is another risk factor. Um, so recently having moved 
whether it's into the country or within the country, um, unstable housing and mental health concerns. And then for labor trafficking, the overwhelming amount is recent migration or relocation. And then there's small amounts um, where risk factors are things like unstable housing, a criminal record or criminal history, which it's harder to get a job when you have a criminal record. So you kind of end up compromising for jobs that don't ask a ton of questions, and then you can kind of get stuck somewhere. Um, a physical health concern or substance use concern. So I read something. Do you want me to update you? Yes. Okay. I'd love that. Um, so this is from the National Center for Homeless Education. Um, they say as many as one-third of teen runaway or thrown thrown away is the word that they use. Thrown away youth will become involved in prostitution, which we would say trafficking because they're minors, um, within 48 hours of leaving home. And then Fox News Milwaukee says the number of victims to say that 90% of runaways become part of the sex trade business and most are coerced within 72 hours of running away. Um, so it didn't tell me an exact percentage, but most seems like a lot. Okay. I'm pretty, need, I'm pretty sure that it's around 70%. I need to stand up to make yep. this point because I'm really upset about it and I need mm -hmm. to feel that energy in my whole body. I love that for you. If someone is under the age of 18 and exchanging sexual favors for money, it is not prostitution. I'm going to say it again. If you are a minor, you cannot be a prostitute. Exchanging sex for money when you are under the age of majority. You are not a prostitute. What? It is not illegal. Whoever is telling you it, it, it is illegal for whoever's telling okay, you to okay. do it. It is not illegal for you to be doing it. You are a victim of a crime. There is help available. Experiences. Kira, what if they're being labeled as prostitutes. It's that's inaccurate. True. That's true. Oh, I feel it in my arms. And I want to fight somebody. Not a prostitute. That was lovely. Thank you so much. Also, I'd like to insert another disclaimer that we've been using trafficking victims engage in sex. I wouldn't call it sex. Sex is the easiest word to be using. Sex signals something consensual. Unless we say non-consensual oh, yeah, sex. Yes. Yeah. So just rape to, is not sex. That's rape is not sex. Right. Okay. Also, issue of consent. Ooh. There are times um where trafficking can get kind of identifying trafficking can get confusing because it appears that the victim consented mm -hmm. or agreed to whatever's happening. That's where the element of force, fraud, and coercion becomes really, really important. Um, so if at any point what they were told turns out not to be true mm -hmm. or they're being forced to do something additional, um, then it's not what they consented to. And that consent is null and void. So. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I feel so much better. That was so good. You should take a breath after that <sighs> in through your nose and out through your mouth. I did. It was great. Well. Are you comfortable with that being our explanation of what trafficking is? I love it. Great. You did an excellent job. So speaking of prostitution, did you know? That was me rubbing my hands together in anticipation. <laughs> a lot of survivors of sex trafficking have been arrested for prostitution. Ah! <laughs> it's kind of like how what, like... Is it like 93% of women in prisons have been a victim of sexual or domestic abuse? Something like that, yeah. It's I'm actually horrifying. surprised it's not higher than that. 93 isn't high enough for you? No, I'm surprised it's not higher than that. Because Actually, I felt the same way when someone said that. I was like, I bet it's 100. <laughs> <laughs> People just don't want to disclose, and that's fair. But so what it what it is, is a group of people... Um, started offering this service where survivors of of sex trafficking who had prostitution charges on their record could have those charges removed. Um, and then they made a whole, a whole array of services available to um, the survivors as well. Things like 
employment assistance and stable housing um, therapy. Yeah, they this was amazing. I don't know how many um, if I kept reading the number 20 over and over again. So I think they were able to help 20 women um, completely remove everything off their records. Um, Most of them, about half of them. They were able to expunge, to remove all of the charges in um, less than six months. Wow. Uh, one woman, it took more than two years. And then there were three women who were still waiting at the end of this study. So it does take longer for some than others. Um, that can be a really frustrating process to wait that long. But a lot of, so I read like the second half of mm-hmm. the study. It seems like what they're talking about is vacator laws. V a c a t u r. Looks like it was a study done. So it was talking about um, challenges that people have post conviction for prostitution. Things like having a hard time finding a job, because um, a lot of places require a background check. Um, or they'll just like fingerprint you. There was one woman who like had a job interview and then they just took her to be fingerprinted. And she was like, what? No. <laughs> um, some people who are worried that their family are going to find out that they were charged with prostitution. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just such a stigma attached to it. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and then some people who had legal battles or, um, so like family law type stuff, like having a hard time yeah. getting custody of their kids. I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is it, does it talk about any, like if they go under job interview and they, the prostitution comes up in the interview, are they, do employers use that against them and kind of like, well, we'll give you the job. You're obviously that kind of woman. Uh, and then just opens them up for a new line of assault. So I could see that happening. Um, it would probably have to be at like a smaller scale type of place because usually it's HR that would mm-hmm. see the background check and then be like, no, you can't hire this person. And I don't think they usually say why. Um, but at like a family owned place where they're doing a background check, I could see that happening. Um, none of these 20 women talked about that specifically. Um, but these women were all arrested in New York. One of the times they were arrested, they were arrested in New York. One of them talks about how um, she had applied for a job at a prison. Um, she had a master's degree in social work. Um, and she, I know. And she was denied. She had the necessary qualifications, was denied the job because of her criminal record. That it was 27 years old. The conviction was. Yeah. Oh. Um. And that the sheriff who did the fingerprints called her was, um, and said, I think you lied. And she was like, excuse me? And he says, well, on here, you said you didn't have any felonies. And she's like, I don't. If you have my, your, my records in front of you, like, do you see any felonies on that record? And he said, no, but that's not the issue. The issue is the amount of rest, arrests you have for this charge. And then she made him say it. She was like, what charge? He was like, you know. She was like, you tell me since you feel like you have the right to judge me right now. Which like, girl. Girl, good for you. So powerful. So powerful. Um, he's like, well, it's for prostitution charges. And um, and then she said, are you really sure about the extent of these charges? You really think that a person could be a successful prostitute and get arrested a hundred times? <laughs> and so he said that that's not the point. The point is they can't let her work there because they think that th- she'd be a bad influence on the population. And she was like, I'm in graduate school and you think I'd be a bad influence. So that fucked her up real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a lot of people like being denied jobs, being stripped of their dignity, even when the charges are super, super old. Um, and a lot of times they didn't have it explained to them what it meant if they pled guilty. Because a lot of times it was like they'd spend two or three days in county, they'd go in front of a judge, and then um, and then the public defender would be like, 
just plead guilty. You'll get time served. You'll be out of here. Yeah. And you'll pay it fine. It's whatever. Um, I lost my sound. I did too. Okay. No, it's back. So they're never told the way that these charges are going to impact them in the future, that it follows them, that it can make it so they can't get jobs, so they can't get housing. Like it's, it's not good to have prostitution on your record. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them said they never would have pled guilty if they'd had all that explained to them, but there's so much stigma attached to prostitution and they were never asked questions about how they ended up there. Mm -hmm. It can Um, also be really harmful when like, Traffickers might make drug addiction a piece of the puzzle of keeping them involved in trafficking, and Mm -hmm. then they're bound to get drug charges, and, like, that's not on them, Mm -hmm. you know, but it follows them. They're forced to carry, like, drugs on them, like, by them, Mm -hmm. because... Or even just using, like, whatever it is, it's not... Well, they'll keep them addicted, like, they'll shoot them on purpose, like, against Meth and Gatorade. Well, also more violent ways of like actually they do shoot people mm-hmm. up. But I mean, even even sometimes it's you're young, you're introduced to drugs, they understand how addiction works, you're 13, 14, 15, and you don't, and then you're young or not young and addicted to this drug that you didn't realize what the consequences would be of that, and like when you're coerced into doing it, but then they use that coercion to continue to exploit them so even if they're consensually taking the drugs like it's not their fault that those drugs are being used to keep them um a lot of traffickers well a lot of these women said that their traffickers also um opened up credit cards in their name and just destroyed their credit um, one woman chose not to pursue a career in nursing because she didn't think there was any way she was going to be able to explain her past charges. One woman was super passionate about physical therapy, um, read all the requirements, read you'd have to get through a background check. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can't ever get certified Why I go to school. So just a lot of a lot of barriers when you have that yeah. specific charge on your record. Yeah. Um, and then these women also talked a ton about their experiences um, with law enforcement, judges, prosecutors, and defense attorneys. Mm-hmm. Um, let me find some of the, some of them were positive. They're marked as positive slash neutral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so some of them, said one of them was like well the officer would talk to me really nicely and be like why are you doing this like why are you here um and they were really kind one woman said that the first time she was arrested she actually didn't get arrested they just took her home to her mom was like listen the officer was like listen i know the school you go to it's pretty bad school i can see why you're going through what you're going through gave her mentor advice she didn't listen Mm -hmm. um in her words she says she didn't listen yeah positive there's a ton of coercion going on in the back scene of that um and then neutral encounters where like it just when you're living in constant trauma being in court isn't traumatic enough to even remember it so like (laughs) Uh can't have been that bad i don't remember it um or where it was just so repetitive that Like, you just are kind of numb to it. It's just part Mm -hmm. of the process. Um, Or some that were like, yeah, I get it. What I'm doing is against the law. Again, not against the law. If there's force, fraud, or coercion involved, it's against the law for whoever is forcing or coercing you. Um. And then some of the negative interactions with police would be like, one of the women only spoke Spanish the first time she was arrested. They wouldn't let her speak Spanish. They wouldn't speak Spanish to her. The only words she knew in English were what she charged for her services. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, no. So that ended up in the report because yep. it's the oh, only no. English she knew. 
um, people being paraded around hotels in handcuffs, um, police officers laughing at them. And then a lot, a lot of them said the officers who arrested them were also clients. Ah! <laughs> oh, yep. Um, and then how once they'd been arrested for prostitution, once they'd get recognized by the same officers. Mm. And so one woman who just like straight up went to the store, like in pajamas, pants and slippers, just at the grocery store, picked up for prostitution. Oh, no. And convicted. I have nothing better to say. No evidence. <laughs> Just had to meet a quota. Know that you're a prostitute. I'll pick you up. Very bad. Um, just terrible. Um, there were several people who told stories like that. Um, and then things like um, one woman saying that her interaction with law enforcement one time when she tried to make a report herself, like she knew she was being victimized. She was at the point where she's done walks into a precinct is like, Hey, this is what's going on. Like mm -hmm. I'm getting beat. It's bad. I just want to go home. Like, please help me. And the cop laughed in her face and said, this is the life you chose. Not a choice. <laughs> Force, fraud, coercion. Not a choice. So, and then there's similar stories about judges and um, defense attorneys and prosecutors. Some people who are really kind and try to be understanding and try to give you advice. Um, they said that the best interactions were usually out of all three were with judges who would actually try to take the time to understand the situation. And then the sentencing would be lighter, mm -hmm. which is great. Um, but my main takeaway from this, which I don't have a lot of uplifting things to say, Kira is going to take over that part. That's high bar. <laughs> um, but my main takeaway from this about how to like start to solve this problem, um, public health crisis, epidemic, I don't know what to call it, but it's terrible, um, is that we just need authority figures with more compassion. Mm -hmm. Um, which we need for a lot of other reasons anyway. Um, but that generally we live in a place where we're socialized to believe that the things that happen to us and the situations that we're in are like a direct and proportionate reflection of like our moral worth or the choices that we've made. And that's just not true. Mm -hmm. Like some people, especially children, People raised in poverty, people abused as kids who haven't been given a chance to learn and grow and heal. You are at, you are sometimes a victim of your circumstances. Mm -hmm. Am I supposed to move on? Yeah, now Kira is going to teach us how to fix it. Well, first, this is a little bit tangential. Mm -hmm. But I guess it all kind of falls under the umbrella of, I think, one of the most important things when it comes to being a part of the solution and not the problem is to not fall into the, like, depths of misinformation. And mm -hmm. I know that me saying misinformation is, like, this whole buzzword from all of 2020 and now it's 2021 and whatever, like, misinformation, misinformation. But, like, this is something that's really important because – there's been a lot of social media buzz when it comes to human trafficking of like the hashtag save the children, which is like part of the QAnon conspiracy theory. But when we're only talking about trafficking as though it's this ring of elite primary democratic men and women and celebrities and politicians, like that's taking away from the real issue. It's not coming from credible sources and a lot of, um, advocates for human trafficking are really worried because when people are calling into the hotline talking about situations that come from a place of misinformation that aren't true it's taking resources away from survivors who really need those resources 
and taking up that time on those hotlines with survivors who could really use that help by like clogging it up. Um, so I think the takeaways with that sort of misinformation is that trafficking doesn't have to look like somebody's grabbed off the street and violently pulled into a van. Um, traffickers can be that people that survivors know. Um, it doesn't have to be abduction. It can be a much slower process than that. It can be really painful for survivors when their trafficker is somebody who they've initially had a relationship with. Um, so basically it doesn't always look like the taken movie. (laughs) Most Um, of the times it is someone who has made themselves out to be an intimate partner mm -hmm. or it's a family member. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we need to be able to be compassionate with survivors who don't look the way that we expect them to. And that goes for many, many, many types of intimate partner and sexual violence that we aren't going to have perfect survivors. Their stories aren't going to be exactly what we expect, but we need to be able to approach that in a trauma-informed manner in a way that's compassionate. Start by believing. Um, I'll get back to some other like more tangible solutions, but this is a little bit of a tangent, (laughs) but something that I feel sort of strongly about just in the sense of making sure <laughs> that we're framing the issue um, in the exact way that it needs to. This is a personal preference that I have. Unpopular opinion. Disagree with me. <laughs> Whatever you need. Um, but oftentimes human trafficking now is described as the modern day slavery. Um I disagree with that characterization because I believe that they come from di- very different places. Um, slavery in terms of what we think about it's it was the use of an entire population of people for the purposes of labor without their consent with many sort of practices that were taking away their entire power and control over situations using violence and some of the most horrible things that we can imagine and I understand that that's similar to human trafficking in the ways that it's people taking something that could be a value um, for limited or no um, return. But they come from very different places. Not everybody who is female or everybody who is vulnerable or I don't pick a population. Not everybody is a survivor or a victim of human trafficking in the way that slavery was. Um, and I think that we currently do have a different modern day form of slavery when slavery evolved from, actual slavery to sharecropping to now we have problems with mass incarceration. And I just, I think that it's important that they be treated as two separate issues so that we can really get to the root of racism across the world and particularly in America, but also get to the root of the causes that are making it so that we have the ability to have an economy that works off of the exploitation of women and men and boys and children for the sake of using them for sex, using them for labor in ways that is not consensual, is exploitative. Um, But when it comes from two different places, I think that it's important that we understand those two issues as separate. Otherwise, we're never going to get to the root of the problem. Um, I don't believe that human trafficking evolved from slavery in the way that mass incarceration has. So that's where I separate those two issues. So I think that when we frame it as modern day slavery, it takes away from the idea that trafficking can be something of an intimate partner, that there are a lot of different reasons that trap trafficking survivors in their situation that are different from the ways that we maintain slavery as an entire nation. Plus, slavery was legal in some states and everywhere agrees that trafficking is illegal in America, but there are ways that um, it's gotten around. So, Personally, I don't like the characterization of human trafficking as modern day slavery. I'm not making a hierarchy of the issue. (laughs) It's like, have your own preference on that. That's just my um, personal thing because I think that they are two separate issues. And when they're separate, they're allowed to be given the care and understanding that they need to solve those problems and the ripple effects that they cause. So thank you for listening to my TED Talk. I agree with all of that. Just 
Thank you so much. For the record. <laughs> also, I want to throw in the little poem that I read on that Etsy candle. Mm-hmm. Roses are red. Doritos are savory. <laughs> the U.S. prison system is legalized slavery. You can get that on a candle at Etsy. Thank you can you. choose your scent and your color. <laughs> that was excellent. Thank you so much. I really wrapped that up in a nice little bow. <laughs> we should do an episode on that. But I do I do agree on that the characterization as human trafficking as modern day slavery. I feel like that it, it's just not like it's a, a false equivalent. Mm-hmm. It's not great. Um, I also think it came, it seemed to have come about right as sex trafficking became like a super hot topic. I think it was like 18 or 19. Yeah. Um, so God, what year was that? 18 or 19? No, what year? Like what year? Eight, 28. 2010. <laughs> okay. 2010. <laughs> I was so Around, No, I forgot how old I am. I don't know. <laughs> Don't drink champagne and then try to be smart, I guess. Um, Okay, so right around like 2010 when it became a super hot topic, I kind of think that characterizing it as slavery then made slavery accessible to white people, which isn't great. Mm -hmm. That's when I feel like I remember seeing all those images of like, Always these beautiful white girls with like painted on bruises, handcuffed to a radiator. And then it was called slavery. And I was like, I care about this. She looks like me. (laughs) Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. That's not good because there's a whole bunch of minorities fighting fires in California for zero dollars. And and again, like we are not at all trying to make a hierarchy of anything. I just I understand how they have become similar because at the very, very basics, like no nuance to either issue, slavery was utilizing people for labor without pay. And human trafficking is using people for the sake of labor or sex without pay. Yes. Like I can see that. I understand how we're using slavery in that sense of like, it's complete bare to the bones definition. I don't like the characterization of it as modern day slavery just because I feel like that word means something different culturally. It means something different culturally. And I don't like the image that human trafficking evolved from slavery. Like Mm -hmm. it was this in the past and now it's modern like this. Like I don't, it didn't, I don't, I don't agree with that characterization. So this is my podcast and (laughs) I will say what I believe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this does not necessarily reflect the views of anybody else besides me. <laughs> no, I I will go on the record as agreeing with you on this one. Thank you so much. Okay. So an abrupt transition to some of my solutions to getting involved in um making a dent against human trafficking. Um first and foremost, like make sure that you know your facts that you are not distracting from the actual issue from the actual needs of survivors and that kind of feeds into the fact that all responses need to be survivor-led if it's somebody that you know that you suspect is a survivor of trafficking if it's you like that survivor has the power to make their own decisions a one-size-fits-all law enforcement response or response from somebody else might not be the best for that survivor Um, So we can't just slap that onto them and expect that that's going to fix it because sometimes a a path to leaving is a long process. Sometimes it's not the right time and we have to be okay with that. Um, In Um, addition, go ahead. Sorry. We see quite a few clients. I think we've seen more than one client this week that came to us for help. And ultimately decided that it's that now is not the right time to leave. Mm-hmm. That happens. It's normal and it's okay. That happens even for people like actively seeking help, like coming all the way down to a courthouse, talking to an advocate, filling out millions of pages of paperwork. <laughs> we do most of it. But still, like taking the time to do all of that, talking to a judge, and then ultimately deciding like, I, it's not the right time. I mean, imagine just right now. You leave right now. You have to go live a whole different life. 
right now, leave your apartment, leave your responsibilities, people leave your that job, you love. leave the people that you love. Like, can you just be done with all that tomorrow? Like, there are things that need sorted out. Like, if I had to leave, I'd be like, what about my lease? What about all the food that I still have in my refrigerator? What do I do with my cat? Who am I telling? So, that, like, you can't just mm-hmm. up and go without a plan. Right. I mean, I fantasize about that, but it's not <laughs> practical. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, second, I'd say, and my solutions came from um, the Polaris Project primarily or the um, Justice Department talking, the United States Justice Department talking about human trafficking. And one thing that they said was like, get rid of the Savior Project. Pro- Savior complex, excuse me. Like, it's not saving people. We aren't saving people from human trafficking. We're empowering them. We're supporting them. Like, nobody's swooping in and being like, come with me, you're safe now. Like, that's not for us. <laughs> that's something that requires a lot of care that needs to be survivor-led, that needs to be safe for that survivor. And us needing to be heroes is not helpful. Us being support systems is. Plus, like, if you're really going to, like, if you break it down and you really want to save somebody from trafficking, like, what is that going to take? You need to get them out of a dangerous situation, make sure their loved ones are safe. You need to help them get a job. You need to give them access to education. They need somewhere to live. They need reliable transportation. Maybe they have a kid. They're going to need daycare or that kid's going to need schooling. Like, Mm -hmm. It takes more than just getting someone out of a situation mm-hmm. to help them be stable enough to then not be vulnerable to another exactly. abusive situation. Exactly. Which leads me to kind of the next grouping of my solutions. And these kind of seem generic, seem vague, but like there are a lot of policies and changes that could be implemented that would really help survivors of trafficking or help prevent people from having the vulnerabilities that draw them into being trafficked in the first place. So calling your legislature, legislators, writing letters, getting involved in protests or getting involved in like local government to pass policies that are going to ensure that people in the community have food security, to have stable housing, um, Things like resources for drug addiction and having it be easier to get into um, organizations that can provide you the care that you need. Um, Decriminalizing drugs. That too. Legalizing prostitution, but for in established places. That one's complicated. (laughs) Prostitution is going to be a whole different episode. Uh I feel very passionately about it. I'm not super informed, but once again, going to really like hammer it in. If you are under the age of 18, you are not a prostitute. It is not consensual to exchange sex for money if you are under the age of 18. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) So that plus um, when it comes to labor trafficking, there aren't a lot of labor protections for domestic workers. Um, if that could be included, a lot of those lack of protections are taking advantage taken advantage of so that traffickers can exploit domestic labor. Um, if you suspect anything, you're always more than welcome to call the hotline, even if you aren't the survivor yourself, um, to ask for resources, to ask for nearby agencies that you can talk to a person about, but remember that it's survivor-led. Um, Again, that number is 888 888- Three seven three seven eight eight eight, or text B free B E F R E E. The number is two three three seven three three. Perfect. And then tangible things that you can do right now today. Um, Send ma- this podcast to people so they can learn <laughs> that. Um, make sure that your language is compassionate and trauma informed, and don't label others' experiences. Um, don't spread misinformation. And then you can share information about the National Human Trafficking Hotline, like that number that we shared. They also have some graphics on their website. Um, and then if you're a person who has children, you can always talk to them about like 
making sure that they know that you're a safe support person and then also talking to them about internet safety. Um, we didn't get into that really much at all today, but that's a big place where traffickers can find children, talk to them, exploit vulnerabilities, especially when it's a situation where maybe a child's vulnerability is that they don't feel like they have a support system, don't feel like they have people to talk to, um, but really having discussions about internet safety and creating an environment where they feel like they can bring issues to you that they're having on the internet, where they know that you're a safe person to talk to and that um, even if it's not your child, but you're in a mentorship position with a child, like having that support system is you filling a void that could be a vulnerability. Um, so just being a support system to others makes a huge difference. That's what I got. Anything to add as far as solutions? There's nothing that, that heals it forever, but every one of us doing what we can, um, makes a big impact overall. I mean, just generally like be compassionate, be empathetic. Don't take it personally. If you offer help and someone doesn't take it, mm -hmm. um, you don't know if that person across the street is their trafficker watching them, making sure that they're doing what they're doing. Otherwise they're going to yeah. like shoot their kid. Like you don't, you don't know. You don't Everybody know. Everybody else knows best about their life. So we have to respect that. But listen, like actually listen to mm -hmm. people, be compassionate, be empathetic, victim-centered. You got it. So. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to us chat about human trafficking. As always, let us know if you have any topic suggestions we can research and get opinionated on. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Overreaction Podcast. That's O-V-A-R-Y Action Podcast. You can comment or DM us there for topic suggestions. You can also like our Facebook, also at Overreaction Podcast. And if you like what you heard, subscribe to us wherever you're listening to podcasts right now and get notified whenever we post, which is sporadic, but that's part of the fun. <laughs> There's a pandemic. There's still a pandemic. There's an insurrection. There was an insurrection. There's depression. There's depression. There's a lot of things, but we're so glad to be back. So also be sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends so that we can empower more women to be opinionated on these topics. So thanks for, so much for listening. We yeah. will see you sometime. <laughs> I do not permit women to teach nor usurp authority.